Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. If I haven't mentioned it before, I am so grateful that you are here joining me and listening to what I have to share, this little bit of jolt of inspiration that you need to keep motivated and inspired so that you can plan with ease and confidence and spend more time doing what you love, which is working with your students and making such a difference. I'm so excited to bring to you a special guest, Ryan Hendricks. Ryan is a senior therapist at Social Thinking. Are you familiar with social thinking? You're going to get to learn a lot about it today. She is trained and works directly with Michelle Garcia Winner and Pamela Crook. Her diverse clinical experience includes preschool-age children to young adults with varying levels of social cognitive learning challenges. Ryan's interest in social thinking was ignited while researching social learning with Dr. Pamela Cook. She has made the social thinking methodology the focus of her career and is the co-author of a journal article looking at the use of social thinking vocabulary in treatment, as well as Social Thinking's We Thinkers, Volume 1, Social Explorer, and We Thinkers, Volume 2, Social Problem Solvers Curricula for Early Learners. Ryan's artistic and creative talents allow her to present concepts in a visual, fun, and engaging manner. Working across the ages allows Ryan to sit on the floor, fly around a cape, and create super flex tools, and then turn around and explore the concept of all the social thinking fun that she has in store. And I'm going to let her tell more about it for you guys today. I can keep reading her bio, but let her share more about her journey, her background, and what she has learned about incorporating social thinking into her practice throughout her career. So without further ado, Ryan Hendricks. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, 
This podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Welcome, Ryan, to SLP Coffee Talk. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So, Ryan, tell everyone, I already did the intro, so tell everyone a little bit about yourself, about your journey, and how you ended up really honing in in the social thinking world. Sure. Well, let's see. I'm trying to think of like the really long version that goes back to my mom being a, a classroom teacher or kind of maybe the, the shorter version, but it's not that long of a show. So I'll give kind of the, the uh, condensed version. I always knew I wanted to work with people. And um, as a speech and language pathology student, um, I had done, you know, many, many different rotations as, as we do. And I very distinctly remember working with Dr. Pamela Crook, who's my, my clinical supervisor at the time. And we were putting together and working with groups of students and supporting and teaching social skills. And that, is, that was my introduction to social thinking. We were using social thinking as our, as our backdrop, as our framework, as our vocabulary. And I think <laughs> perhaps like, like many people, um, went in as a bright-eyed grad student thinking that first group of teenagers was going to be one way. And I went in with my plan and I went in with what we were going to talk about and my activity and emerged, you know, 45 minutes later. And I, <laughs> I often share this story with my like hair puffed up and my glasses hanging off my face and wondering like, what, what just happened? And it's not that those moments have totally stopped either, but, but that was a super turning point where I knew I had the rest of this clinical rotation and it was either jump in with both feet go back to the bookshelves, go back to really reading and thinking and come back the next week with maybe a, a different plan um, or just wait till the end of the rotation. And so I jumped. There was something about the experience that challenged me and um, inspired me to dig deeper because they were asking questions I couldn't answer. So why should I do this? Or who cares? Or why would I do that? Or there's not a rule about that or nobody ever told me that before. And it really made me think about kind of my own social thinking as well. So there was something that was really thrilling about that. And, and while it was challenging, it was also uh, inspiring. So I wanted to go back for more. So that was kind of where the interest started. That's amazing. I love it. I love it that like we've all had those moments where it didn't go as planned and you found <laughs> something that helped you push through and get past that and keep going and you didn't, you didn't give yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like I said, those, I still have those moments on a regular basis, but I think that's what keeps me super engaged and passionate about the work is that I'm always learning more about how the social mind works. And I'm always learning more about the folks I'm working with. That's amazing. That's amazing. And in case, you know, people are not listening or not familiar, what is social thinking? What is some of the mindset behind it? What can you give sure. us a little bit, like a little Cliff Notes version? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I know, um, you know, just when I was talking a moment ago, talking about putting groups together where we were working on social skills, that's kind of how I stepped into it. But social thinking itself is actually about so much more than the social skills. We're really figuring out, breaking down and teaching social competencies. So not just the doing, not just the skills, but the thinking behind the doing. So that's kind of the like, in a nutshell, the social thinking is the thinking behind the doing. And social thinking as a business <laughs> um, has created lots of materials to help us 
figure out, well, how do we break down the world of social? How do we take these really abstract, dynamic, synergistic concepts and break them down into ideas that are more concrete that we can explicitly teach. So that's kind of that's um, you know that's kind of a, the Cliff Notes version of it. And you know it's a methodology that spans the lifespan. It's based in research, and from that deep research base come these frameworks and strategies and concepts that we can teach from ages four to, you know, across the lifespan, mm -hmm. 104, mm -hmm. um, because that, you know, the social world is always around us. I love it. I love it. And I often, in a lot of the trainings that I do in podcasts and things like that, I always share that our students really struggle with that, things that are not so explicit. And we have to try mm -hmm. to find ways to make bring things to life so that they can see it and how we can teach them about our thinking about things we just do innately. Right. So that's why Absolutely. I love this program because it gives the methodology of, you know, how do you, how do you teach someone about how I'm thinking about something social? Right. Like, right. So you don't have to think about it on your own. You can just go look into one of these books or programs and say, <laughs> okay, oh, that's how I thought about it. <laughs> it just right. works. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, again, what keeps taking me back to like that first introduction of like, oh, how do we do this? You know, if it's not something that you had to really work at and break down, it gives us a way to kind of look through a different lens and mm -hmm. think about it in a way that we can figure out how do you break this down and teach this for somebody whose brain doesn't make that automatic or easy for them. It's great. And do you find this program works better for a certain type of client or is it anyone that can benefit from social skills. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad I'm so glad you asked that because yes, there are, you know, there are some things that of course are part of this bigger picture and part of this teaching. It's a language-based approach, so it's for folks with average to above average language and learning abilities because we're going to be talking about thinking and feeling and using language to break down and make sense of these complex ideas. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of the that's an that's a, a really important piece. And I think, you know, it started, it's created by Michelle Garcia Winner. And, you know, it started when she was working in a high school and working with stu students with social learning challenges. But how this has evolved over time, it's really been adopted in a big way, just as good social emotional learning for all folks. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. I love all, all things about frameworks and ways to just bring things to life and make things visual and engaging. Can you give us like an example of a lesson idea or a session that you had where you got to utilize this approach and have a student have that aha moment or... Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things that, that uh, in this new world that we're all living in, um, one of the uh, things that was really a big aha was moving from meeting face-to-face -to, -face to meeting virtually. So I'm, I wear many hats. I'm a clinician. I work with students across the lifespan. Um, I am, I work with school teams and I'm also, uh, I'm a parent, so I get to wear these mini hats. And so I had a front row seat to how all of the social rules changed <laughs> when we moved from learning and connecting face to face to learning and connecting over a screen instead. So one of the things that we've talked about, it's one of the core vocabulary that we talk about all the time in social thinking. You know, we use a, a vocabulary to make sense of this abstract world. And that's the idea of hidden rules and expectations. 
and that in every situation, depending on who's there and what's happening and, and the people, of course, and what you know about them, you know, that's what kind of uh, we use to help us figure out, well, what are the rules here? What are the expectations? So one of the things that we talked about very early on in making this transition to learning online was how all the rules, um, how we had to figure out what are the rules here? What are the rules now? What are the rules in this situation? And I don't, I don't know if um, many people had this same experience, but we went from meeting face to face one day and then the next it was like, okay, everybody is at home. Everybody's mm -hmm. on the computer. <laughs> yeah. So my first session with my students we tried to just keep going with the concepts we'd been talking about. If we'd been working on flexible thinking strategies or we'd been working on, you know, figuring out the group plan and, and putting together um, and uh, doing like an escape room kind of thing, whatever it might be. That first session, I just tried to keep going. And then it was such an aha moment for me <laughs> to think like, wait, we can't just keep going. The rules are totally different now. So we had to stop and back up, and this was across the ages. It was working with the kindergarten first grade group, it was working with a group of high schoolers, and everywhere in between. And we had to stop and talk about, okay, so what are the rules now? How does this work if you're at your house and I'm at my house? Um, how do we still stay connected and think about the plan of the group? Um, how do I know you're thinking about me? Because often when we're meeting face-to-face, -face, we, we talk about the concept of thinking with our eyes. Well, if anybody's done a Zoom meeting, you know how hard it is to figure out where somebody's actually looking. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So the rules are different. So really just kind of, a, I think maybe you were asking about a student aha, but it was such a big aha for me to think about, oh, the rules have changed for everybody. And this is where I can use the, the frameworks and the thinking to help me kind of guide students in making sense of this new way of learning and connecting as I figured it out myself as well. <laughs> so I love kind it. Of a, <laughs> I love it. It's just taking here. the situation at hand and just bringing in those concepts and just bringing it back and, and being very repetitive. So your students like there was some sort of like normalcy with it. They're like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. she's bringing up those same things again, even though it was about a total different thing. I, I mean, I just remember having to teach like my parents had it do, do zoom oh, yeah, <laughs> like, and not to cut people off and things like that so i can imagine you know it's clearly across all ages and um types that need yeah. new social skills trainings and right absolutely well and i do think that's i i think you know maybe a silver lining in all of this is it put everybody into a position where the situation was new for them where nobody had experienced this before and we were all kind of trying to figure it out together, which mm -hmm. was really, you know, again, kind of a, a silver lining, if you will, because it, it helped to, you know, really, I think maybe bring to light how hard it is to figure out, well, what's the rule here? Mm -hmm. you know, even like, well, can you eat on the Zoom call? Well, it depends. And that's, I think what I love about the work so much is that it's not, here's the rule, it's how do we figure it out? And the idea that it depends and it's always changing. So it's never, you know, here, I, I, it'd be nice if we could just type up a list of like, here are the rules when you're on Zoom, but it totally depends. Are you doing like a big class meeting? Is it small group work? Are you connecting for fun? Who are you connecting with? Is it a grandparent? Is it a peer? Because what the rules are totally change depending on you know, the situation. So true. Even how they, brought, they react and act during a speech Zoom call is different yeah. how they're going to act in a class of 20 Zoom call. 
you know, obviously there's only three of them. It's okay if they jump in and chime in and talk with each other. But when it's a class of 20, you have to sit and wait to be called on and still raise your hand. So it's a totally different rule. So yeah having to teach that and, you know, and those in person having, you know, masks and had to read with the eyes only without the facial expressions. There's so many <laughs> right. other, like I've been practicing with my daughter, how to read facial expressions with, with just her eyes. <laughs> like You just got to yeah. get used to it, girl. Like, yeah, this is it. It is. Yeah. And it, and it is, and it's so complicated. And again, why it's not like, well, here are the rules, but really using the thinking to guide your observation and notice, well, what are the important clues here? What's the important information that helps me figure out the plan? And even just for raising your hand, mm-hmm. now, how do you know, how do you know when it's the right time to, before you even raise your hand, which is your social skill, how do you figure out when it's the right time to do it? What are you looking for? What's the context? Is it the teacher talking? Um, are other kids raising their hands? Are they literally raising their hand in the screen? Are they using the little uh, function to like raise the little emoji hand? (laughs) So true. So much information. Yeah. It's so true. So true. And I love that by teaching them to think about their thinking allows them to have these conversations with you in a safe environment where they can make a mistake and have the, take those risks to figure things out versus doing it on the spot and maybe making a mistake. So I love it. I really love it. Yeah, we've been doing, um, we did a lot of problem solving. You know, families were reaching out and saying like, okay, they're really struggling on their Zoom call or, you know, here's what I'm observing. It's been interesting because families and caregivers have had a different lens on the, (laughs) the classroom learning experience and the social connection piece because, you know, people are all in that same space together. So I feel like um, it's been a good opportunity for everybody to, you know, see what some of the strengths are, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Then also appreciate some of the challenges when their their student is trying to learn as part of a group or work with peers or connect. But I love these ideas of ways to incorporate this framework into this new social world that it, you don't have to just drop everything and start fresh and it, it, you can still incorporate it. I love that. I really yeah. do. What benefits have you seen over the years? What, uh, the more you've incorporated this program into your training and practice. Have you seen much more success? What like, can you tell us a little bit more about like some yeah, success stories? Sure. Well, and I think, you know, one of the mantras that, <laughs> that we use is the, that this is slow and deep learning, that we're not just talking about a behavior, we're talking about thinking and, and supporting and giving tools and strategies to think about the world in a different way. So I would say, you know, it's, it's definitely a long game and those successes are those little things like a student noticing, oh, here's the plan right now <laughs> when they might not have before. And they might have just, as an example, if they're doing like some group learning, may have just like called out the answer or said something that seemed like really out of left field or random or off topic. Um, those ahas and those successes are, I, I see as those little moments where they like pause and make an observation before they share their idea, or instead of blurting it out, they like raise a hand or wait, you know, just those, those, um, those little things. Mm-hmm. I think, 
the starting place with any sort of behavior change is increasing that self-awareness piece, being more aware of kind of where you are, who's there, what's going on around you. So that's where I was talking about kind of those little things we may notice where it's, you know, where a, a student seems more aware of what's going on, where they are thinking about maybe what that other person is thinking. I love the little things like when we were, I was meeting with a group of students who are in second and third grade, and we were trying to come up with a plan together. And one of them remembered a favorite color of somebody else in the group or a show that they like or a game that they like to play. So those little things that you know, that we've talked about and, and explicitly taught things like a people file, right, where you notice and remember things about others, where you would ask questions, you file it away in your brain so that you can use them later to help you connect. So it's really thrilling to see, you know, we've talked, we talk about it, you mentioned repetition, mm -hmm. we talk about it a lot. <laughs> we teach it explicitly, we bring it into lots of different activities. And then we keep using the concept or we keep mentioning the concept, we keep making the connection, but to see down the line, kids actually then using it to help them to connect with their peers, like things like that are, are super thrilling. Or, you know, group of group of high school students, um, when we were thinking about, you know, what are all the different ways that you might connect with somebody and talking about how just even sending a text message is like sending a message of it's more than just a text. It's the, Hey, I'm thinking about you and really appreciating that there is, you know, what might seem simple, like just send a text message really requires a lot of thinking and a lot of organization and having students come back and say, yeah, I didn't send a text message, which everybody else in the group is aware of. They mm -hmm. did not send the text message. But when they're able to go back and reflect and say, yeah, I really wasn't sure what to say, right? Where they can have that moment mm -hmm. of like, oh, here was my roadblock. Because now with that increased self-awareness, now we can talk strategies. Mm -hmm. Now we can talk about, all right, how do you figure out what to say? Things like Love that. Love it. And now, like you've been sharing a lot of just like talking about different situations. Can you share where you kind of set up the scene to have maybe some roadblocks and work through it? Can you give an example of like a lesson activity that you might have done? Yeah. Well, and what I, what I would say is for the most part, um, I don't usually have to set up the roadblocks. They just happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you it know. Happen. Yes, of course. Of course. Um, yeah. So for our younger students, you know, one of the things that's been really interesting is that for our early learners for that like four to seven year old set, we do a lot of the work through play. Right. We, we read storybooks. We use that as our jumping off place for activities and play. So it's such an important piece. So making this transition online was a lot of how are we going to do this online? Because we usually set ourselves up to play by creating props and materials and, and, you know, thinking about how we set up the actual space that we're in. So to do this online, um, you know, it was a, a very steep learning curve. <laughs> I'm like, all right, how do we, how are we going to do this now on a screen? So one of the things that we did is just thought, I just thought about, it's not, it's the same. It's just a different venue. So figuring out how to like, we would still read a storybook. Um, we read the storybook. We had that up on the screen. Uh, I captured a picture from the story. I put it up as my zoom backdrop. <laughs> so we were setting the scene. 
And so I had to create the props and materials as something we could access online together. So we were doing a pirate theme, one of my like favorite play themes. Uh, and so we were pretending that we had gone on this treasure hunt. We'd found uh, we'd found this this treasure chest, and inside were different materials, and some of them were like really expected supplies or um, contents like uh, gold and jewels. But then there were also things like stinky socks. So here's why. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited <laughs> to hear this. <laughs> this is a group of students who can share an imagination with another person. So they can imagine what somebody else is imagining, but they need support to do it. So they need, they need, there needed to be a visual. We needed to talk out loud about our ideas. And one of the things they're working on is being flexible when it's not their idea. So the stinky socks, that was an idea I threw in there to kind of add a twist, right? They're, you're expecting gems and gold and jewels. So now the stinky socks, what are we going to do with it? So I guess that is my own little roadblock that I threw in there. <laughs> and then, um, then the challenge was, okay, so how can we, um, we're going to imagine together that we've found these stinky socks. So we had, we had to think about, um, as we would in person face to face, what would our, what would we do with our faces? Uh, we would hold our noses. What would we say so that we could all kind of imagine together that we'd found these stinky socks. And that someone in the group is excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> right, right. Or not. And then we played with like matching up the stinky socks to get them out of the treasure chest. So it's still a lot of what we would do in person, but just knowing for kids with social learning differences, you know, what looks like just magic on the playground or even over Zoom, how the idea just kind of flows and changes and someone throws an idea in there and they're able to shift with it, we had to find a way to kind of slow that down and practice it. So here I'm throwing a wrench in the plan or I'm, I'm shifting the idea. And to keep the play going, we've got to shift along with it. I love it. Just changing the venue. I love that you said that. It's really a great thing. Like all you do is a backdrop and a visual of a yeah. treasure chest with things. And <laughs> there's your session, guys. There's your 30 minutes. You're done. You're prepped. Like, and that was free. <laughs> yeah. Well, and really, we did that same treasure chest activity for weeks. So <laughs> every week we would add in new items um, and then we'd play with it again. So it just shifted from being a kind of a, a longer activity to then more of a brain warm up or something we could revisit to just kind of get, get back into um, the session or as kind of a, an opening activity, or just to keep having fun with the idea. And they really loved waiting to see like what was going to be new in the treasure chest. I love it. I love it. Since I love that idea, I'm making you share now another one that you've maybe done with some older, like high school students. And even an example, yeah. maybe how you've taken an idea that you've done in person and turned it virtual to incorporate these mm -hmm. concepts. Yeah, I think one of the big ones was, you know, trying to figure out how to connect together and this idea of how, you know, how, how do we connect? And again, this is where kind of go back to like the social thinking methodology. And one of our big frameworks is the idea of the four steps of communication. Now, that's a framework that carries across the ages. We, the way you play with it, the way you talk about it, that's what you're going to vary based on the age of person that you're working with. So 
for my high school students, we broke down, um, you know, when we transitioned to working online, we had to break down the four steps of communication, but how do you do that over a screen? And how do you do that with the computer? So we had to think about what do we do with our brain? What are like, in terms of like, what are we thinking about? What do we have to do with our body in terms of our physical presence? What do we do with our eyes? <laughs> where, where are we looking? How long are we looking? <laughs> And then the last step is what do we do with our words? How do we use our words to connect? And breaking that down very simply into really conversations and connections are made up of comments and questions. So we had already worked on this concept for months and months and months together as a group. But when we transitioned online, it was taking those same concepts and it's the same but different when we do this over the computer. So I think I mentioned earlier the idea of like, where do you look when you're on the Zoom call? Mm-hmm. And then what do you do with your body? How close do you sit to the camera? Where do you even put the camera? So just a little bit, you know, where where in my group of students, you know, we had to talk about kind of the, again, the hidden rules of this. And in our group meeting, was it expected to be stretched out on your bed um, or to have the, you know, the phone angled so that it was like an under chin shot or like really close. (laughs) So all of those little pieces that we had to kind of really break down and teach and, you know, thinking, and we worked through each of those. So what are you thinking about when you're, when you're connecting on a, like a video call with somebody, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about them. You're using that people file concept, um, to consider what they're interested in, what they're not interested in. You're thinking about you and your own, um, kind of like the people file, but for yourself. So we call that a me file. What have you been up to this last week? What information do you have to share? Um, so kind of going through. And breaking down each of those pieces and how we do that when we're when we're connecting online together. I love it. I love it. I love it. Do you have suggestions on how to how you've incorporated some like visuals and stuff, especially virtually, yeah. how, to help remind your students of these strategies? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that was one of you know, <laughs> for people who've been doing telepractice, I'm sure they had this all figured out. But this is like the very steep learning curve because usually when we meet face to face you know, again, we're taking abstract ideas and we're finding ways to break them down, make them more concrete and make them visual. (laughs) But how do you do that when you're not in the same space? (laughs) So I have just on my end, um, I've got thought bubbles on popsicle sticks. I was using those in person as well. So I just, you know, brought those home. So, you know, a lot of the visuals I can just hold up in view Mm -hmm. of the camera so I can use them on, on my side. The first week that we were meeting together, the first couple weeks, I had students create their own props and materials so they would have them on their side as well. So students were creating, creating thought bubbles and whether that didn't have to be like, you know, fancy, just even on a post-it note, you know, so that they would have it on their side too. Or if we were, if there were specific strategies that we were working on in person, I, even if I had the paper on my side, then they could recreate it on their side as well. So, so there was some of that, like having actual (laughs) things that like visuals that we could put our hands on. But the other thing that we've figured out how to make good use of were some of the features that are part of meeting online. So we were using, we've been using Zoom. And so in Zoom, you can uh, change your backdrop, right? So uh, just to add interest, I would use a picture, put it up in my backdrop. 
Um, I had a colleague show me how to turn that into a green screen, which I wish I could explain easily. I'm sure somebody could Google how to do it on Zoom. It's in the preferences <laughs> or something like that. If you hit those, okay. the camera button and it's where you change the virtual background. It's like a green screen right. option. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So what I was able to do then is I would put a clue up for our plan as my background. And then I would use a green thought bubble and kind of, and it could be a thought bubble. It could be a circle. It could be anything, anything that's green. But then I would move it and hold it over different parts of the screen so that students could see a clue, but not the whole picture. So one of the concepts we teach all the time is the idea of making a smart guess of taking information from what you can see, what you hear, and then what you know or remember, and combining that to come up with an educated guess or a hypothesis, and, and mm -hmm. we call it a smart guess. And that's a concept, again, we teach across the ages. So what my backdrop would be, that would just depend on who the group was and what we were talking about. And so, you know, I'd have that backdrop and then hold the green item so they could see like a part of the picture at a time and then make a smart guess about what we were going to be doing. So it could be a book cover. It could be a picture of a place we were going to go for a virtual field trip, which right. that was one we have been able to travel this summer just using virtual field trips. <laughs> um, or it could even be our just our plan for the day. So, you know, that's been really helpful. Things like being able to use the whiteboard. Um, in the in Zoom again, where you know many times in person we think about having an active role, and when we first transitioned online, you know I, I was trying to figure out well what is what do the students do while I am like typing, but figuring out some of the features so that they could type as well or they could underline or draw. So we were making our plan together. That's been you know that's been really great. That's or awesome. like. Um, <laughs> so many. <laughs> no, no, I love this. Um, and this is so practical and relevant, you know, to right now what everyone's going through. It's like, yeah. I think the number one question is how you do social skills virtually. And this is right. really great and helpful in so many ways because you can easily take these ideas and shift them in person and yeah, use this now definitely. with everything going on from the younger ones working on, you know, pirates to the older ones working on how to where to look and how to interact and how to initiate and talk about what someone else wants to talk about and not just what you want to talk about. And there's so many different um, new rules, but it's still the old rules. It's just a, yeah, like it the is. new venue. It's, it it's, is. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's the, it's kind of the, the same process of trying to figure out, well, what are the rules now and with this person? Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, we'll keep figuring out more ways we can actually use technology to help us teach these concepts. So like taking a picture and being able to annotate it and pop a thought bubble over a person's head. And then, you know, we can type into it or write into it. What do you think this person might be thinking? And take that same picture and think with our eyes and try and make a smart guess. You know, how do you think they're feeling? Look at the situation. What's going on here? Again, things we would be doing in person but that we can use technology to kind of keep that learning and thinking going too. Love this. Love it. Love it. I love it. You're still bringing back that same methodology, teaching about their thinking and getting them to think out loud and to talk about it and work through it that same way, but just virtually. I, I, I love it. It's really, it, it's so many ideas. I'm even thinking about like my case. And I'm like, okay, how can I use these ideas? <laughs> like, right. well, so yeah. Are. And even, even my own yeah. kids at home, like how, how they need yeah. these strategies and talking about it out loud. 
Well, I think that's been, and I, I think as a parent, that is one of the things I, you know, we've always used the social thinking vocabulary at home. From the time my daughter was tiny, we were talking about some feelings and talking about our, our group plan as a family. And well, we got to think with our eyes and look around and figure out what's happening here and come put your body in the group and all of that language. But making this transition online, I felt like, oh, I actually... I have some concepts and strategies that I can use to have the same conversation and to talk about like, yeah, the rules are different. There are all these hidden rules to connecting together online with your class. And it really gave me a, a, a way to talk about a complicated situation that had a lot of potential to be uncomfortable and find a way to actually break it down and talk about it, which is again, what drew me to the methodology in the first place is like, Oh, here's a way we can t take something that's really complicated, but find a way to turn it into a conversation and make it something we can break down and talk about. I love it. I love it. Now you might not be able to answer this question, but I have to ask because I, I bet <laughs> everyone wants to know these things because I know you've trained and worked directly and closely with Michelle Garcia winner and Pamela Crook. Do you have any fun stories or exciting insight, anything that like any fun stories to share that you can share? <laughs> oh gosh, let me think. I mean, many, I know I, I, fan, I fangirled, you know, when I bumped into her <laughs> at Asha, you know, them at Asha and I'm like, you know, giggling. As if I met like Justin Bieber or something. Yeah. But, <laughs> yep. Um, I did too. Absolutely. I did too. And I feel like um, the first time I met her, I just feel like I actually didn't even meet her the first time I was like in the space and watching her speak. I feel like people were like rushing the stage with their rubber chickens for her to sign. <laughs> um, let me think. Cause yes, I had the, I had the, the same experience. It's more of a kind of a story, like a, a me story as opposed to a Michelle story. But I remember uh, when I was, I was out of grad school and I was working with a group of early learners and this is before I joined the, the team in San Jose and I was in the Tucson community, and we were using the Hungry Caterpillar as our backdrop for teaching different concepts and for play. And so I was the caterpillar, and I was wearing a giant green shirt, and students were following my eye gaze to figure out what I was thinking about, and then they would feed me the food item, and then I would stuff bunting into my green shirt because I would keep getting bigger and bigger. And that's the day that Michelle came to the clinic where I was working to observe my therapy session. <laughs> and what I love is that she's like, yeah, would you like to join our team? <laughs> like the caterpillar. <laughs> yeah, like the caterpillar. Well, and I think, yeah, I like the caterpillar. And I just, I really, I don't know if it's like a, a fun story or a funny story, but I just, you know, continue to admire and appreciate how, how she's able to take kind of like, you know, just different situations and, and think about them very critically and, and, you know, just kind of bring a very down to earth lens to, you know, to the, the weird and quirky world that it is that we live in. And come up with a solution and, yeah. and strategies that, you know, what she, someone else thinks what one problem that she found uh, she realized others are going to have that same problem. So yeah, that's, it's that's very great. much a like, you know, we continue this idea that we never stop learning and that we're always learning more about the folks that we're working with. And I love that she, 
and as a team, like encourages everybody to keep asking questions, keep learning, keep reading. Um, she's always sending emails with articles to read and books she's come across. I mean, she just, she just doesn't, I, this won't be a surprise to anybody, but it doesn't turn off. She doesn't stop thinking about it. She's thinking about it all the time. And aren't we lucky? Cause she keeps sharing the thinking with us. No, we're, she's honestly a true, you know, pillar in the, uh, SLP world. So that's, I, I, I appreciate you coming on here and sharing some ideas I had to bring because so many times you, you go to trainings or you hear about things or you read things online you're like well, how would I use it and yeah. I love that you have shared such practical ways of using it and even using it virtually here Great. <laughs> so yeah I, well and I think um and this will be I'm sure that uh the links will be in the notes but when everything shifted virtually, you know, there was a big, from the community, like a lot of requests coming in for like, how are we doing this online? So there are tons of videos and lesson ideas, super practical. Um, there are some read aloud books that are posted on the Social Thinking website. So there's a lot of materials that have been generated and shared um, to support kind of the bigger community while we've all been, um, you know, sheltering in place. Perfect. And I will make sure that all that will be in the show notes. So not to worry. And I know I will be binge reading, watching, learning myself as well, because, hey, we all need more tools for our toolbox and ideas and it, it could be a real challenge. And so many times it's like, okay, I did this great idea and it's like, now what? <laughs> right. <laughs> now where do I go? I need, I, need, I need to top that one. So it's always good to have a place to go to for inspiration and ideas. And I love it that social thinking is thinking about the problems in the field right now. So they're thinking always, about our always, thinking. <laughs> always thinking. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you have any last tips or words of inspiration for someone who is maybe just for starting out with the social thinking world or wanting to learn more about it? What, what any recommendations? Well, I think that there are, there are just so many uh, resources that are available through the social thinking website. I think there are, there are tons of articles that are very reader friendly. So wherever you are in your journey, it's a great place to go for information and resources, including like free webinars and then e-learning as well. So that's definitely a piece. Um, if you're, you know, looking for more information, I think something to think about and, and talk about this a lot with our, with families too, or caregivers and folks who are just newer to this is to kind of be, be gentle with yourself and to approach, you know, we talk a lot about a growth mindset and that's not just for the folks that we're working with. That's for us as well <laughs> to like, know you're going to make mistakes it's going to be difficult, but to see them as good mistakes and as opportunities to, to keep learning. So much of this has been developed from an oops moment or a time things did not go as planned. And so to just kind of sit in that and know that like, oh yeah, nope, it, this is, will not go as planned or, oops, I, but I will use that as a way to kind of keep back up, teach deeper, to try to avoid assumptions, particularly with our folks who've um, you know, got very high IQs or a lot of language to not assume that they know how the social world works or how to work within it and to kind of keep peeling back the layers and keep trying to figure out like, huh, what information think about, I think about this as kind of my own, um, process of trying to figure out 
well, what information, you know, did the person maybe not have access to or not notice? Or how did they take the information they noticed, but maybe have a hard time interpreting it? Or maybe they just weren't sure then what to do with it. So really kind of, um, we see a social skill on the surface, but trying to, for our uh, to get beneath the surface and try and figure out, you know, what other information could we provide here? I love it. And I love it how you've really just utilized this framework and vocabulary and concepts across so many different aspects of language and like making hypotheses and handling social situations and problem solving. There's so many different ways you can use it that allows so many different lesson opportunities and things that and, and ways to handle those roadblocks when something arise you know comes about especially now with virtual learning we're in our clients and students living rooms like yeah. we have so much more access to their parents yeah. who can tell us about situations that happened on the weekend or Absolutely. prior to the session where you can talk through it and take advantage of those moments and those conversations. So absolutely. That's that's great. I I love it. That's absolutely a silver lining to all of this for sure. That's great. Do you have any other big projects in the future that you're able to share or? No, um, I think that right now we're, I I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I'm able to share. (laughs) Yeah. That I'm able to share. I'm sure there are a million projects in the works. I think as I, as I mentioned, and as you all know, who are familiar with social thinking, Michelle and Pam, don't stop thinking. They're always writing. They're always refining. They're always trying to figure out ways to Again, take these complex ideas and make them something that that are user friendly and try to organize like our thinking as interventionists and then to support the folks that we're working with. I think, you know, for me personally, it's going to be just kind of thinking about how do we, like so many people, uh, how do we take the experience from the spring and summer and use that to jump into the fall to really help students connect with, you know, with each other, to connect with their academics, to connect with their teachers. Mm-hmm. And how do we keep, you know, how do we keep doing this work, um, you know, in the, in the world that we're all still living in where mm-hmm. people are doing so much of this at home. So that's kind of a smaller, you know, like a, not a big picture. I'm sure there, I know there are so many things happening and then kind of zoom in. Um, so I'm sure too, we're going to keep thinking about and, and talking about ways that we can take these concepts and keep using them virtually too. Mm -hmm. That's great. And where can people learn more about you and your work and things you have to offer? Yeah. Um, I (laughs) send you back to the social thinking website. Um, (laughs) yeah, I don't, I don't think I mentioned this at the beginning, but I'm, I'm one of the authors of our early learner curriculum. So that four to seven year old set. Um, and so I, along with my colleagues, Carrie Zweber Palmer, Nancy Tarshis, and of course, Michelle Garcia winner. Um, we've done a lot of the work that you can find on the website, where there are um, activity ideas and read alouds for that four to seven year old set. So, um, you know, send, always send you back to the website. It's a treasure trove of ideas and strategies. That's great. Thank you so much. And really it is like, you have been such a wealth of information and you really are, you know, Thank you so much for being here and chatting oh, with all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I had thank, a brain fart. You know? so <laughs> no, no. Well, understandable. Um, no, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be on with you and to, you know, to share. Thank Happy you. To anytime. Thank <laughs> you so much. So there you have it. Another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. 
I hope Ryan brought to you some of that jolt of inspiration you needed to incorporate more social thinking concepts into your speech therapy room and just different ways of thinking about working with your social language students. So until next week, I'm going to leave you guys with a joke because that's what I like to do. Why didn't the mummy have any friends? Because he was wrapped up in himself. Ba-dum-ching! So there you guys have it. Another episode, another joke of the week. If you haven't left a review yet, I would love it if you do so. And please tag me on Instagram and share with me what that you are listening to this episode because I love seeing you guys share these episodes out. It makes my day. You have no idea. So tag me, share with me. And until next week, stay out of trouble. This school year is anything but normal. And if you are anything like me, You're finding yourself searching the internet, teachers pay teachers, social media more than ever for answers, inspiration, and guidance during this crazy time. I have found myself learning platforms that I never thought I would need in my professional life as an SLP in the schools between Google Classroom, Google Meets, Zoom. I mean, I am hybrid. I am virtual. I am in person. I am everything. And and I bet all of you are somewhere in between or all of the above as well. And if you are like me and looking for inspiration, motivation, and want to be surrounded by like-minded SLPs who love what they do but are afraid of burning out during these crazy times, make sure you join us on November 7th for a six-hour PD called the Speech Retreat Recharge. You will learn everything from working on WH questions to working with older speech students without the text to working on AAC virtually and so much more. We have guest speakers and uh, raffle prizes and so much fun that it is a PD unlike any other. So head on over to speechretreat.com, learn more and sign up today. You won't regret it. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun, and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.